In a world of art and entertainment, we often seek deeper meaning and overanalyze the presentation. Director Paul Verhoeven often uses B-movie genre as a vehicle for complex human emotions, social satire, and shocking sex and violence. Is this genius subtext for the artist's intent, or our own imagination looking for cosmic connection where none were intended? We call this dilemma dilemma. the Verhoeven Effect. I'm Colin. And I'm Nathan. And for this season of the Verhoeven Effect Podcast, we are watching network television because me and Nathan don't watch network television. We are specifically watching police procedural dramas. We have NCIS New Orleans from 2014, The Mentalist uh, from 2008, and 1984's Miami Vice. As always, we start with NCIS New Orleans. We have Season 1, Episode 20, Rockabye Baby, original air date April 14th, 2015, CBS Tuesday. When a Navy commander's car is stolen with his baby inside, the NCIS team must determine if this was a random carjacking or a targeted abduction. Showrunner Gary Glasberg, written by Jonathan I. Kidd and Sonia Witten as a team. Directed by Elodie Keene. Yeah, this episode was a mess. <laughs> they they were yeah. throwing a lot of things out there and then like didn't resolve any. They did. They got the nah, baby back. They got the baby back. <laughs> I mean, there was a part of this episode I really didn't like. It was like it was it was a misdirect. Like, oh wait, this is all we should be talking about. Yeah, find the kid. But yeah, we'll go. <laughs> we'll explain it. Go ahead. I mean, it does the NCIS thing where it's like, oh. Is this about espionage mm-hmm. or about a stolen baby? And it's like, well, I, it's absolutely not about espionage, even though it is. Yeah, but it's not. <laughs> the focus of the episode does not result resolve in espionage. The focus of the episode resolves in deep sadness. Yeah, <laughs> and personal drama. Uh, yeah, we start with like a musical opening that yeah. wasn't you know that's not the 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 opening theme of show. Uh, you got a baby in a jeep, and then the uh, the dude goes to bring groceries in the car, and he has the keys left in the door, and then magically, like for a minute, the keys are out of the door, and the car is driving away. <laughs> yeah, very quickly. Yeah, like this guy uh, must have been waiting in the bushes. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty improbable, but you know, you got to run time, and then boom, 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 baby stolen. Hey, hey, hey. find out it's baby Lucy who was stolen, and nine months old. Yeah, uh, you have a, you have a Mustang pull up. It's Newman. Uh, it's like, oh, this is a gay couple. I feel like this is like the conservative version of like of gay couple representation of show where it's just like, it's not a thing. Like, it just happens. That's, yeah, <laughs> like this is how like conservatives want to believe that gays are. Where they they just exist and there's no problems. <laughs> I'm not saying gay people are a problem, but obviously conservative people tend to have. A yeah, you got to consider the target audience of this show. <laughs> It's like, yeah, these guys aren't making out during the show. <laughs> As a matter of fact, one of them, like, well, it just goes into the later plot. It's like, yeah, I'm, we're we're in a gay relationship and we have a baby. But, yeah, I, I had sex with this woman on the side because I just, I don't know, what was his motivation? Like, I felt I had to. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is like, this is gay people for Main Street USA. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's yeah, yeah. like, oh, okay. They're just like us, but they're gay. And it's like, wait a minute, huh? What are you trying to say? 
No, they have sex with women and can be misdirected that way. It's like, no, if they're gay, they don't often have sex with women. At least as I understand gay people. I'm yeah, not yeah, gay. We're not the ones to necessarily no. complain about, but this seemed to be like a pos- a conservative version of a positive portrayal of a gay couple. <laughs> yeah. And not um, any, none of the conservative police or it's never addressed throughout the whole no, show. It just, it's how they want to pretend that this happens in the Pride, real world. Pride is like, yes, let's solve this crime. Like, you know, like, you know, these guys, all the yeah, locker all, room like, scenes yeah, with these guys. Years ago, this would have been like a double take. Whoa, 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 what? <laughs> Two men have a child? <laughs> That's not what the good book says. <laughs> yeah, we have Abigail Bore in his back from CGIS. Yes. Yeah, the Jeep gets, uh, it's a Jeep that gets stolen. Well, I thought that was funny there. Where it's, it's, they, it seems like obvious different bank accounts there where uh, Hart, yeah, yeah, Hart has a Mustang and then Newman just has like this like 90s Jeep. It's, <laughs> it's like, like a Ford like, Escape, I thought, but yeah. No, I thought it was a Jeep. That could have uh, been. I I read it as an escape, but I have a bias. So the car's dumped into a river, but the baby's not there, so it's like an abduction. Yeah, that was kind of a dark scene when they're like the guys just craning the car out of the river, and you're like, oh, I hope there's not a baby in there. <laughs> and it turns out there wasn't. But for a second, I was like, oh God, where's this show gonna go? <laughs> <laughs> We go back to headquarters and Wade's just hanging out at the headquarters. She's not at the mortuary. Yeah, thank God no ops, autopsies <laughs> for her to do this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or morgue, not mortuary. We have, like, the surrogate mothers, like, in the wind. Like, well, we think that, like, she might have something to do with it. Uh, but it turns out she's just, like, a just a nasty... <laughs> just white trash, yeah. Yes, yes. We can say trash. that, yeah. Yeah, she's white yeah. trash. Because as soon as the cops show up, like her boyfriend, who she's pregnant again with his baby, well, he just takes off running, which that's a, yeah. and they're living in a trailer park, of course. Uh, they yeah. make that clear. So, yeah. So you think, yeah, these people would kidnap a baby and try to blackmail these two guys. Yeah. Well, out. yeah, she's complaining. It's like, I could have got more money for that kid or something. Yeah. Just we inhuman. Of our own. It's like, <laughs> but, you know, she didn't steal the baby. So there's that. Yeah. No, they were bad in um, other ways, but. Not prosecutable ones. Agent Bourne mentioned something that she has a history with working abduction cases. So I'm not sure if these were in other NCIS episodes. They could be, but we don't know that because we don't watch those other shows. Yeah. (laughs) I get enough Um, right here. This is my helping. (laughs) And we have like a scene where like Brody and LaSalle are kind of like independently contemplating whether they'll have kids or not. But because of the job, they're like, no. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're both like, yeah. What would this be like? Well, I like how LaSalle is like, it's like, yeah, it's just like genetic Russian roulette. I mean, you know, my mom, my brother, like they're nuts. I what I want to have a kid that would be nuts. It's like, yeah, good, good. That's good for an Alabama person to think about that. <laughs> oh yeah, they find someone's hair in the in the car, and then, <laughs> from the hair, they're able to pull up a driver's license yeah. of this Chinese lady, which that seems pretty improbable, but whatever. I don't know. I don't know if you're a naturalized citizen and if you have to like give DNA to the to the database or anything. But well, that's anyways. what, again, this is for middle America. It's like, we got to keep an eye on them. <laughs> <laughs> we got to have a full genetic screening before we give them a green card. And it turns out, like, as the character in the story is written, like, yes, you do, actually. You do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Marlon or Hart, yeah, Marlon Hart had an affair with this Chinese woman a year ago, I guess. Because um, yeah, he's a uh, biomedical researcher for DARPA. <laughs> it's like, okay. 
Yeah, which that means he's making like bio weapons. Yeah, it's, it's like, oh, so you're evil, but just not in the way Middle America thinks you're evil. <laughs> That's gonna go right over everyone's head because they're still talking about that. These guys, they're gay. Unless, unless he's de- developing counter bioweapon stuff. I'm sure he good. is. Yeah, I'm sure that's that's what's going on. Based on everything I've read in history, I'm sure that's what we're doing. And everyone else in the world, too, by the way. They go to set up Chin Han. I think that's the name. Hope I got that right. Oh, well. So they go to set her up. And then Marlon, like, starts choking her. <laughs> and then the, the cops pull Marlon off of her. And then a cop her. <laughs> And they pull her in. That was kind of a funny, like, absurd scene. Well, it turns out this character's backstory, and again, this just feeds into the paranoia, is like she was going, what was it, Stanford or Yale? She was a Chinese yeah. immigrant in college. She changed her major from, like, English to biomedical research. Like, just like like a total sea change right in the middle of her really expensive Ivy League education. And it's like, oh, I wonder why she did that. Oh, she's a spy. And of course, it's the most obvious spy in the world who goes from English lit to biomedical stuff at Yale, which is like, okay, cool. And then um, it turns out, yeah, she is trying to get information from him. And she has a whole computer full of blueprints of whatever. Well, well, I I have Sebastian hack something because I guess Patton wasn't around for this episode. And the interesting thing I have here, which I have no idea if this is actual insight to how Chinese spy networks work out but it's like all the information on a computer like works one way or something yeah so like they can't retrieve the information after they sent it or something like that so sebastian like hacks this hard drive to be able to get the information back and something like that and then and they're uh, using 21st century microdot technology which is a trope that's been around forever where you put all the information in the corner of a picture of a sunset or something. And yeah. it's, it's like, yeah, that's real stuff, but it's, it's like, yeah, it's micro dots. I used to do that in the cold war, but with actual film. So, and you had to look at it under a magnif or under a microscope, but yeah, you could, you could fit the entire diagram for an F 16 fighter and something as tiny as the head of a pin. But what works out for them is that she had put up like a spy camera on their house to monitor them. And so yeah. then she has the, the video of the uh, person grabbing the keys in the car. So, and what happens with her? They just let her go. We don't hear. She said she wants a deal. Like she'll give them like the information. They got to basically like turn her over to the Chinese government or something like that. We don't get the end of that. That's just implied. <laughs> Which in real life, this would suddenly become the most important thing going on in this investigation. But yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah, send uh, her back. No, you I, I, cremate her from the, the feet up like the Russians do. I mean, somebody that go to the grocery store to like follow like where the, their, their footsteps where they go on a daily basis to see where they pick them up. And so we get some people at the grocery store, which end up being like the, the crux of it actually yeah and they raid like one of the grocer's house and like he's dead just like shot in the head oh Uh, uh, pummeled to death oh okay i thought he was shot boren has like a watch in her hand that goes off and it's like it's it's 48 hours and then just kind of this dour look and it cuts to commercial like there's that show called 48 hours and i believe like always the it's real crime investigation and what they always say is like if a of a missing person or no it's a murder case or, uh, actually both probably if they aren't solved within 48 hours they probably are never going to be solved or something yeah. like that isn't that the thing yeah uh so that's like the um what you're supposed to get out of that kind of like oh it's like we've hit the limit like it's probably never gonna 
nothing's going to turn up from here. But yeah, the show you're talking about is a, is a real crime show called The First Forty Eight. It's yes. mainly set in Baltimore, Detroit, and some other nice places. It's it's like yeah, it follows you's investigation, and, and like the premise of the show always plays out. And this is real life, not TV. Where it's like, oh yeah, if we don't have a named suspect or someone to talk to within two days, it's like we're never, it's just a black hole. Because most of those murders are, I mean, the kind of stuff these guys are, NCIS, New Orleans in this case is trying to solve in 48 hours is a kidnapping. And if it's not family members, it's usually, it's like, oh, well, we're not going to solve this right away. But if it's random murder, like most of it is on the TV show, it's always gang stuff where nobody talks. Nobody has any incentive to talk. Because either they'll be labeled a snitch or they'll be going to prison. So that's, yeah, that's, it's kind of the same thing with this. It's a little different, but yeah, that's usually like random, what they call random murder. Uh, Which 50% of those in the U.S., by the way, go unsolved. Well, they don't go unsolved. They go on, no one goes to prison for it. Because it's like, oh, we know who did this. We don't have enough evidence to prosecute him. Because his mom and his girlfriend swear he was, you know, at home with them watching Wheel of Fortune when this guy got shot 38 times, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. Well, guess we can't prosecute on to the next case. Forget how they figured out. They it's, Oh yeah. They, they, uh, Sebastian traces like some meat stuff. Kosher meat. DNA. Yeah. It's kosher meat. And they will figure out that it's the meat delivery guy that did it. Who was at the grocery store. Uh, and when they go to the grocery store, so it's like, Oh, okay. There's that connection. And it turned out like he stole the baby because, him and his wife lost a baby to SIDS. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, this is like the replacement, but he told his wife that like that, and they're trying to adopt. And like, he basically told like, ah, oh, the adoption went through. Here's a baby. Yeah. Um, cause, cause like, yeah, as said, his wife, like what basically wasn't eating was like either was sleeping too much or wasn't sleeping. So yeah, it was a real bad scene from him, but yeah. yeah I mean, what do you think? Cause this is like a gay couple. You think at some point there's going to be someone that's like homophobic and it's like, no gay couples can't have children, but it, it ends up not being that. No, that doesn't like, happen. No, it's just a sad couple. Yeah. Um, and, the, and now, now their lives are ruined. <laughs> well, especially his life. It's implied that the wife supposedly didn't know anything. Yeah, but it's also like they cleaned out their bank accounts, and she was at some vacation cabin. So it's like, well, she must have known something. It's <laughs> like these people don't own a cell phone, you know. It's like, hmm. well, it's a bit where it's kind of weird at first, where that she's like on a dock with the baby, and she doesn't sound like she's all there. Yeah, and it's like, oh, she's gonna like jump in the she's gonna jump in the water with the baby or something. But then there's a part where she's like, she's saying she's recounting what her husband said, like that this baby is adopted. And she's like. Is that not true? And that's like kind of the times like, oh, she's she's a real person. She's not on the edge. Well, she probably is on the edge mentally because she like breaks down once they take the baby away. But the baby is reunited with the with the fathers, and that's kind of the, the happy bit. But there's just a lot of lives are ruined because of this. Yeah. And what about the Chinese spies? Yeah. What about your DARPA world. job? It's like, well, <laughs> good luck feeding that kid on a Navy lieutenant's salary. And <laughs> yeah, they make they make a good. Uh, he was a major. Oh, was it okay? Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's the ranks I saw, but I believe a gold leaf is a major, but also the Navy ranks are, I didn't have to, I didn't have to know them by heart, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You were just going to be put on ships to scare them. You didn't really <laughs> have to know their ranks. <laughs> yeah, I would know them. I didn't know them to have to. The, sh- the shortcut in the Marine Corps is you say, you always say you salute shiny, because like all the, the ranks for officers are like, either like gold or, or a, um, or silver and it's shiny and like all enlisted ranks are just matte black okay um but navy personnel and like like uh oh, what, are you, what are the guys that are like the church guys 
chaplains yeah they have like they have like gold and silver stuff and they're like saluting and listing people it's like god damn your ranks and shiny stuff <laughs> i'm here to do one thing <laughs> <laughs> for a second show we have the mentalist season one episode two, 20 red sauce original air date april 21st 2009 cbs tuesday an ex-mobster in the witness protection program is found executed. The mafia is the prime suspect, so Patrick socializes. Yeah, socializes with its leader, uh, Rich Horner, Bruno Heller, written by I'm gonna say Egan Mahoney. I like to say Yogan Mahoney. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess this is Egan Mahoney. Yeah. Uh, directed by Adam Kane. Uh, this is the second uh, Mahoney episode, and it's it's also he 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 apparently loves the mob because the first one he wrote was about the Russian mob, and this one's just about just regular italian american mafia yeah it's just like the sopranos extras you know yeah 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 Yeah. also this episode is also all over the place yeah jumps around a lot how it you know how, how it wrapped up was like it was clever but it's like how did he know that again i was sort of like it was moving too quick for me to put it all together it's lisbon's birthday Yes. And we have and we have Jane is guessing like all the presents before she opens them and of course he's right because you know that's the thing he does. Uh and then they get a call and the, the hikers the hikers find a body as they always do. It's and it was a guy shot in the head and dumped in the river and the guy works at an arcade. So they go to the arcade and Jane steals a dollar from Cho to, to get the uh cuz they found a coin in his pocket. It's like oh this is arcade. Cuz also they just see a guy there and and then Jane almost immediately it's like picks up on like oh he came down this part of the river he probably works at this arcade that's over here and they're like how can you pick that up and it's just like three things and he just knows his guess ends up being right and when he gets a change for the uh, thing it's the same exact coin uh, and then he hands the coins to a kid and then takes his dollar and then gives that back to joe so he ends up not stealing a dollar from joe yeah it's always fun. It's always just always fun when Jane takes money from people. I guess is it Fredrickson or like Friedrichson? I, I, I always call him Eddie. Yeah, I wrote down like Friedrichson at first, but then I have the the subtitles on. It was like Fredrickson. That's like his witness protection name anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I thought it was Diedrichson. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's how I wrote it down. I always call him Eddie. Yeah, just Eddie. Uh, then Jane goes over to some arcade toughs. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, while playing pinball, like, he's able to hypnotize one of the kids, which that's completely ridiculous, but... It worked. But then, like, he, they're, like, interrogating the kid, and you think it's, like, oh, some guy named Eddie works at a at a, at an arcade. He's got to be kind of, like, pretty low-key. And it's, like, oh, he's selling drugs. He's breaking kids' fingers. He's a loan shark. It's, like, oh, who is this He guy? cusses people out in Italian. It's, like, hmm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lisbon and Van Pell and maybe Cho too. Like they go to the wife's house and then they end up in a standoff with the wife. She has a shotgun. Yeah, because the wife's walk and they don't know they're in witness protection yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the then the U.S. Marshals bust in. They get the wife to calm down. And I made this point like I seemed weird at first, but like the lady when she starts to yell at the U.S. Marshals, she's specifically yelling at the black lady U.S. Marshal. Yeah. I'm like, oh, is this some racist stuff going on? <laughs> it ends up being a point. But, yeah, uh, it turns out it's like, oh, she was right to yell at her. But yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Eddie's in witness protection. He's a former mob guy. Hang out here in witness protection. And also, like, immediately all the marshals seem incredibly suspicious. Yeah, it's like the most they, the obvious was... crooked cops ever. <laughs> yeah. 
Actually, it turns out not to be, but the, yeah, it's like these are bad cops. <laughs> yeah, know, they're either corrupt yeah. or stupid. We don't know which. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, yeah, they're they're very suspicious immediately. They don't know the person that they're protecting is dead. <laughs> yeah, he just goes missing sometimes. Nor does I know he's being a loan shark and selling drugs. <laughs> and there's that bit where like they they that's uh, tiny. They find tiny, and like they find out like uh, Eddie got caught with tiny. But then Eddie got with a pound of cocaine. No, no, ten pounds of marijuana. Oh, I thought it was a pound. Okay, now I was thinking of the next show. Never mind. Okay, ten pounds of marijuana. But in like in the police report, it's a list. There's no car listed, so he's like he's walking around with ten pounds of marijuana just on foot. And so like the co- the local cops are also f-ing up everything. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, everything is everything's pretty. Yeah, just sloppy police work abound. Yeah. And of course, Lisbon's like, "Hey, things seem to be a little off here. You need a little help." And it's like, "I, I reject your accusation that we're bad at our jobs." Yeah, immediately, like we go from <laughs> zero to rage, and it's like, "Oh, okay, so this guy's hiding." I don't need to be Jane to know this guy's hiding stuff, or he's stupid. It turns out it's the latter, out. but you know. And then we find out Marshall Knox was the last one to pick up Eddie from work, so it's like, "Oh, did she, she's the marshal." It's like, "Did she kill him?" And then it's like, "Oh, they had a relationship." But then you have, like, I wrote down, Knox is set up as an attempted suicide. And it isn't. She actually attempted suicide <laughs> with a note that said, I'm sorry, that looked like it was a total setup. <laughs> yeah, it was not. Because I, I immediately, as soon as they found her, it's like, oh, the mob's trying to off this U.S. Marshal or something. Yeah. Or I thought or I thought that her partner, would, like, did it. Yeah. Uh, that was my first guess. But then like no i guess she was generally trying to kill herself it's like that's weird in retrospect oh yeah this one jane's doing the weird phone tag thing oh wait no wait no no no. that comes a little later yeah i miss yeah at some point there's a they talk about a mobster i did not write down his name and then jane goes in sunny back sunny batagalia yeah so he goes to question sunny and Lisbon tells him not to, so of course that's the thing he does. Uh, and it's kind of this fun thing where he like, "Hey, who are you?" And it's like, uh, <laughs> "I'm just I'm here to, I need to question you about Eddie." And he's like, "Shoot this guy!" And they pull a gun on him. And it's just like fun for a bit. And then, but then he teaches him how to how to swing better at golf. And so then then he's like kind of opens up to him. <laughs> uh, and then he figures out. And then he basically figures out like, "Oh, this guy didn't have Eddie killed because um, he doesn't know he's dead." He tells him he's dead. Uh, and there's that fun bit where Jane just walks away when he gets what he wants. And it's like, it's like, hey, I'm talking here. You can't listen to me. He's like, no, I don't. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to have you shot so I can front all these witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes back and he's like, yeah, I don't think he did it. He said he he had no idea that he was dead. And he didn't, it, 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 they're like, oh, really? And it's like, yeah, well, it's hard to tell with sociopaths. But <laughs> yeah. And then that's when Jane does the weird thing where he keeps having different people call the guy's phone and ask if mary is there <laughs> yeah it's jane so he knows how people are going to react to things so that's a huge gamble that this whole thing is going to work in the end yeah <laughs> where he just gets him to swear a bunch on the phone and, and wish death on somebody that he just hands the phone over to yeah it seemed like that's a tight play it's like you better <laughs> gotta time that out just right uh yeah so yeah gina who's the the wife of eddie who earlier talked about how like there's no good red sauce in this town and so jane makes red sauce and whatever and spaghetti and stuff for her 
questioning her at the same time and figures out that Gina killed Eddie because he was cheating on on her with with the um, FBI agent that, or the yeah, uh, Marshall. Marshall that she didn't like. Yeah, Marshall Knox. Yeah, and then he and then he, and then he makes it seem like he's either gonna like get her to admit to the crime or she's gonna let this hitman kill her and he'll get money from the, from Sonny. Yeah, and and it's just Rigsby dressed in a tracksuit with sunglasses, and she thinks it's a hitman on the way, and so she admits to uh, to killing her husband, and that's just kind of the end of the show. Oh, and, and Jane gets Lisbon a horse. Yeah, which seems more of a hassle than a present, but whatever. <laughs> well, it's every little girl's dream to get a pony for her birthday. Yeah, and so and because he didn't have his birthday gift there on time, or he was just manipulating her. Um, that she ends up getting like there's a pony in her office, which is like, yeah, you know how much it costs to feed one of those things? Where are you gonna put it? Yeah, which makes me think that there was just like a fun joke. Yeah, like, I hope she's so. Not actually going to actually take care of. Them. Yeah, as the series goes on, I don't want to see like Lisbon in her apartment trying to <laughs> with hay in one corner and this pony just as skinny as a stick because it's sad. It's a sadness <laughs> pony that's slowly skeletonizing. I don't think the show goes in that direction. It would be weird if like skeleton pony became a theme, but I don't know. So yeah, this is what I was. This is one of those ones. that's like a messy mentalist. It, yeah. It's like it has some cool things and some different elements in it, but it's almost like it's so. I mean, it's a it's a pretty much a straight through story, but it's depending on so many things and putting yeah. things together without cutting you in at any point. It's like, oh, I know he suspects this. How is he going to prove this? No, it jumps right to, this is what I'm doing, and, and I suspect this, but I'm not going to let the audience in, and it's going to be a surprise, and it really just ends up being kind of annoying. Yeah, I mean, this episode is more fun than it is good, and I think that's kind of what they try to do. Yeah, I mean, you got to get 25 of these out, so they're not all going to be hits. So, yeah, it's it's not all pieced together cleanly, but it is entertaining throughout. And we have our third show, Miami Vice, season one, episode 20. Nobody Lives Forever. Uh, original date, March 29th, 1985, NBC Friday. A passionate romance distracts Crockett to the point that it nearly derails the pursuit of three thugs on a rampage. Showrunner Michael Mann, written by Edward D. Lorenzo, directed by Jim Johnston. This is a weird episode. Yeah, not, not one of their stronger ones. <laughs> no, especially the episode, because this follows uh, Home Invaders, right? Yes. So, like, one of the crux of that episode is that, like, this guy's, the, the, like, the head of robbery is, like, not on top of things, and he has to retire by the end of the episode. <laughs> Here it's, like, Crockett has a relationship, and things aren't going to plan, and, like, so he has to dump his relationship, or else he's not going to be good at his job. It's, like, these are dire circumstances for everything going on here. And by the, the logic of the last episode, Crockett should have uh, sort of should have left Miami Vice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyways yeah yeah if you, uh, if you follow the rules as established it's like he should have <laughs> at the end of the episode he he should have just handed tubs his like gun and badge and like yeah i'm just can't do this anymore <laughs> and by the way these punks are acting like they're living in mad max yeah like you can just murder people in the streets and you just got a shotgun at a diner and nobody reacts to it except for one guy yeah <laughs> yeah it starts off bad to the bone is playing you got these three hooligans in a convertible and they're like harassing a guy in a truck who seems like he could have solved everything by just breaking. Yeah. <laughs> just break heavily and let them go by. Yeah. I don't think you're going to convince these guys just slow down. I don't know. <laughs> 
and then he ends up dukes a hazard in his truck into a river so yeah um, yeah i like that yeah. that when his truck runs out of control down like a weird off ramp it's like well just hit the brakes but instead you hear the engine roaring like oh okay <laughs> and then it does like a oh them duke boys are in trouble <laughs> <laughs> and by the way the car those, those guys stole are like insanely expensive nowadays <laughs> the pontiac gtx like, convertible yeah those are worth a uh, fortune nowadays there's not that many around is we come back from the credits and they're in that car still and they've written on the side with spray paint death is the ultimate high <laughs> but they misspelled ultimate <laughs> ultimate because <laughs> i had to look at that uh, twice it's like death the utilimat what oh ultimate okay <laughs> okay and then they just they just by circumstance they realize that like some guys running a bookie thing like, like a bench on the beach and they rob the bookie yeah and then we can't, then we can't yeah, I just had the next, the next note I have is Cracker gets laid by his new girlfriend, Brenda. <laughs> yeah. Sex uh, and get... expensive houses. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sex and expensive houses. <laughs> and then he wakes up and Brenda's just doing sit-ups in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And then we have, so I think it's uh, Morgan is the guy who like runs like the bookie ring. And so like some of his guys are like working on like how, they're trying to get after the hooligans too. And it's a, it's a young Giancarlo Esposito. Yes. <laughs> yes. Who's sent out just to uh, go after these guys, which weirdly he's in, he is in three different episodes of Miami vice as three different characters. Um, he was previously in an episode as like just a druggie in a, in a room. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, uh, numbers matching Plymouth, uh, GTX convertible, which that means is in perfect shape. $70,000. Yeah. Just, and, just to give some element to how old this show was, where it's like, yeah, that's yeah. your junk car. <laughs> well, because at the time the show was filmed, it would that car wouldn't have been even twenty years old. So the Tubbs and Crockett are on the trail of these guys, but because they don't really have they don't really have a uh, pattern, they're hard to catch. Yeah. Um. And so, but they're like staked at like a like a like a nightclub or something. Yeah, so yeah some kind of typical nightclub. But then, because Crockett's on the phone with his girlfriend, he like misses like the opportunity to like catch him. And apparently, they find out the next day that they robbed like a, a corner store and killed somebody. So now Crockett's feeling extra guilty that he has a girlfriend. Yeah. And by uh, the way, this girlfriend, not in any previous episodes, not any no. after this either. So, <laughs> and also Gina's getting jealous about the about the girlfriend. Yeah, so that's weird. Yeah, we got Izzy showing up trying to hawk stolen shoes on the street. Yeah, weird shoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's saying they're like from uh, American Gigolo. <laughs> yeah, he said like uh, Richard Gear like wore these personally, and it's like. I got shot. I got sizes nine to five. And he's like, I wear 11s. It's like, that's perfectly fine. Italian leather molds like clay or whatever. When you wear. It's like, yeah. If you're wearing a shoe, three sizes too small for it, <laughs> the Italianness will make it work out. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just a funny Izzy thing. Yeah. Do. It's weird. And then Izzy finds the guys like in a diner and they're like pouring like salsa on his shoes as he's trying to hawk shoes at him. And then they just pull a shotgun on him and he just like walks over to the, the counter and sits down and nobody reacts to the shotgun except for Izzy. Yeah, everyone's just like, ah, well, give me some hot sauce with these eggs, you know. It's, like, <laughs> it's going to go great. 
then he gets on the phone and then oh yeah then the carlos esposito shows up and then like they shoot them and run out and izzy gets kind of does he get like a shotgun pelt in him or does he just get doused with ketchup he gets doused with ketchup and he's kind of afraid at first like oh, oh okay. what happened because it's kind of a neat effect where like they you know they're in a diner so these these ketchup bottles explode near him so it's like he's covered in ketchup it's like well i could be blood too <laughs> well yeah and two know. guys just got blasted in the chest you know two, yeah, two yeah. of the security <laughs> gambler or what's the guy's name morgan is the guy who runs it yeah the, the the head bookie or whatever sends these two guys out and they get murdered in front of everyone then they're like staking out like morgan's place and then once again we have crockett like hanging out with his girlfriend and then tubs get knocked out knocked out and beat up by morgan's thugs yeah uh and then of course they blame brenda again because brenda didn't wake up didn't wake up crockett it's like that's your job crockett wake your goddamn self up (laughs) yeah this isn't a a great episode (laughs) no there's not a lot to really hold on to here there's a couple embarrassing musical montages castillo does the stare a lot in this episode yeah he's blaming crockett he needs to get his life in order it's like stop having girlfriends crockett <laughs> stop having a life so yeah he does the same thing the guy in the mummy did he just that weird stare it's the same stare just not lit yeah. the same way and we then they and then him and his girlfriend talk about like yeah what's what kind of life are we going to have together it's like i don't know i work seven days a week i lie to international drug dealers and murderers <laughs> about who i am um, i live way above my means as a way to pad my uh you know backstory and it's like, yeah, I don't know if we're going to have a lot of kids and like weekend <laughs> vacations. Uh, it just seems like suicide to, to be in a relationship with this guy. And I think he realizes that, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of thing with Michael Mann stuff is just people devoting their lives to their job. Yeah. <laughs> the personal relationships just get away of the righteous duty to complete a job to the best of their ability. To work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. and. <laughs> And be shot at and kill people on a weekly basis, you know. <laughs> probably killed 150 people, and you know, and, and this is the first season. So we got Tubbs playing sax yeah. on the beach, uh, trying to be pretend to be one of the bookies, while the rest of the Vice is just in in a backup role, like all over the place. Brenda and Crockett break up, and then the hooligans show up to rob them, and there's like a gun in the bag that as he goes and hands over and and, and uh tubs kills one of them and then they just shoot the other guys too they just all pop out of the woodworks and all the vice guys kill them all it's like and it seemed like uh it seemed like they weren't even trying to arrest them. nah these guys were lunatics remember the last one nobody lives forever yeah and it takes like two 10 millimeters to the chest it's like yeah you're you're right you've you've proven your theory correct <laughs> Yeah, this scene, this was a very, um, we have silly episodes and we have kind of oddball stuff. Then we have serious ones. This one is just like none of the parts held together. Um, you almost forgot about one scene as soon as the other one's there. And then you're like, oh, yeah, screwing in expensive houses and the pool and everything <laughs> else. And then, oh, yeah, these lunatic extras from the Road Warrior, apparently. <laughs> it takes like a, a, you know, the entire Miami Vice SWAT team to run these guys down who just murder everyone who looks at them. It's like, yeah, yeah. this is... Well, also, like, it's like the lesson Crockett's supposed to take out of this episode is, like, don't have personal relationships. Yeah. Like, your life is your job. It's like, that's a horrible lesson. <laughs> it's the American dream. <laughs> this is what makes America great. 
Yeah, so episode 20, apparently a bad spot for all television shows. Yeah, kind of a rough rough area to sand over. Um, <laughs> nothing really worked tonight or in the viewing of these. But, you know, again, like I've well, always said, uh, you got to cram 20 of these in. So, Also, like in another version of this podcast, I thought about or, or doing a separate podcast. I thought about calling it a podcast, just calling it penultimate. Okay. I, I, was, I was just going to talk about how like usually penultimate episodes are the best episodes of a season. Yeah. Um, and they're specifically talking about like the kind of recent X-Files uh, seasons. And it, they were talking about how like someone had wrote a penultimate episode of the season and it was really good. But then Chris Carter came in and wrote the finale and basically ruined everything that the goodwill of that previous episode created. So I thought about like, we should just watch second to last episodes of finales of all these television shows and then see like how good they are compared to the finales. But we did this show instead. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So, but apparently episode 20, which is for this show, two episodes away, <laughs> not, not great. So not to investigate other ep- 20 episode twenties of other shows. Yeah, it might be worth looking into. Is this a pattern or, you know, is this when the cocaine wears off in the writer's room? <laughs> or is this when the cocaine kicks in? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, all their ability is gone now. Yeah, all your powers but and that, but, superpowers. But they feel better and they stay up a lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're listening to somehow, you can find us at anchor.fn slash Verhoeven Effect. Uh, you can rate our podcast uh, on whatever platform of your choice. You rate us whatever you want, but the only thing they listen to is five stars or whatever the maximum thing is. Uh, if you want to write, write a review, give us five stars. And then if you don't want to write one yourself, you can just write, uh, this podcast gets me through the workday. Uh, it seems that people, that's what people do with podcasts. At anchor.fm slash effect, we have listener support, or you can you can uh, support this podcast at at a monthly stipend of either ninety nine cents, four ninety nine, or nine ninety nine. The, the more we get, we just the more episodes we make faster. Uh, you can find us at Twitter at Verhoven Effect, Facebook at Verhoven Effect. Uh, we have another podcast called American Greed Factory. You can find that on whatever podcast you can, you want, except for Spotify. Weirdly, uh, you can find us on YouTube at American Greed Factory, where you can listen to this show and that show live and unedited. Um, we have t-shirts at belowthecollar.com slash greed factory. We have the white version and we have also this one as well. The black version with the white logo. So, uh, and I also have a, uh, you can find us on Twitter, me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash greed factory. Right now I'm doing puzzles and podcasts where I play Tetris and listen to podcasts. Uh, it's the kind of low effort content. Everybody can get behind. So for the Verhoeven effect podcast, this is Godwin. This is Nathan. Goodbye, America.